A twisted dark mirror. We'll enter the dark world, that twisted mirror of the light world, today on Legendary Adventures. A message from Sahasrila. The place where you now stand was the Golden Land, but an evil power turned it into the Dark World. The wizard has broken the wise man's sill and opened a gate to link the worlds at Hyrule Castle. In order to save this half of the world, the Light World, you must win back the Golden Power. You must also rescue the seven maidens who Aghanim sent to the Dark World. As I mentioned last week, this section begins the second act of A Link to the Past. I am defining acts as distinct sections outlined not only by story beats, but the goals of the players. In the first act, we were traveling to dungeons to collect the three pendants to acquire the Master Sword and then faced Aghanim. In this act, players will travel to dungeons to rescue the descendants of the Wise Men, the Kidnapped Maidens, and Princess Zelda in order to face down Ganon. As we enter the second act, we have our first real chance to explore the Dark World. The layout here is similar to that of the Light World, but there are differences. In place of the castle, there is the Great Pyramid. Traveling west from the pyramid is impossible. There are also different obstacles sometimes limiting player progression, and as we saw with Spectacle Rock, there are changes to the layout of the land, and the player may sometimes be able to take advantage of those to reach otherwise inaccessible areas. This section is a continued slow reveal of the Dark World. The developers seem to be consciously introducing the concept to players step by step to avoid overwhelming them. Heading towards the Palace of Darkness, players will find an area which, in the Light World, featured many changes in elevation. Here, it's all on one plane. There's a large hedge mage taking up most of the area. The hedge itself is overgrown, making the maze path more difficult to discern, but it can still be glimpsed through some thinner, more transparent sections of the maze. Next to the maze is the Dark World equivalent of the building that Sahasrila hides in. Inside this building, we'll find someone who's been transformed into a tree-like creature. The creature says the golden power reflects the heart of the holder, and that the current holder is the Prince of Thieves, Ganon. We're told the appearance of the Dark World and the people in it are all due to the influence of Ganon. The creature concludes by saying, What a mischievous thing to leave lying around. The power of gold. Triforce. This, I believe, is the first in-game reference to the Triforce in A Link to the Past. Prior to this, it's been referred to as the Golden Power or the Power of Gold. It's a nice reveal, I think, that the two are one and the same. However, longtime Zelda fans and even those who just read the manual were likely well aware before this point that the Golden Power and the Triforce were one and the same, but for those who don't, I think the reveal works. Just east of the building we find an entrance to the maze. There's a large arrow drawn on the ground pointing to it. A pair of arrows drawn on the ground guide the player to the next entrance. After making their way through the main, overgrown block of the maze, players will discover they have a creature tailing them. It's a monkey named Kiki who tells us that he loves rupees more than anything. Kiki then asks for 10 rupees to accompany you. After reaching the door to the Dark Palace, Kiki will ask for 100 rupees to open the door. It is ultimately required that you pay Kiki twice for a total of 110 rupees to progress in the game. I myself entered this section with more than 110, so it was no issue. I also can't recall ever coming to this section short of rupees, but I suppose it is possible and players could be stopped here and be forced to grind for the money. I don't think that's such a great design decision, forcing the player to stop like that, but it's also never been an issue for me, so I can't say for sure. Once inside the Dark Palace, there are a couple of things that should be obvious right from the start. The first is the music. The new dungeon theme introduced in the Dark World features a series of high strings as the backbone of the piece, creating a mildly frantic and uneasy feel. 
lower strings play the melody. In my opinion, it's a much more ominous and unsettling piece compared to its light world equivalent. The theming of this dungeon is much more generic. It's all gray stone and there's no true theme or gimmick to consider here. As with most other dungeons of this game, the Dark Palace is separated into two distinct sections. It's worth noting, however, that unlike past dungeons, the second section is not accessed through the use of a big key, but through the use of an item. The other thing is to notice how the entrance of the Dark Palace mirrors the Eastern Palace in the Light World. There are three doors right at the start, but this time the doors on the east and west are closed, while the middle door is open. Through the center door, players will find a locked door, but they'll also clearly be able to see that the doors to the east and the west do not lead to dead ends this time. Players can open the doors to the east and west by stepping on a camouflage floor switch near the entrance. To the east, players will find a room with a transporter. It leads to another room with a bombable wall, and then through a series of rooms with traps and obstacles. Notably, one room features conveyor belts that players must contend with while dodging the jellyfish-like enemies called baris and moving spike traps. Another room features this game's reimagining of the Goria enemy from the first two games. They no longer throw boomerangs. Instead, they come in groups of three. Two green, one red. All three will mirror Link's movements. The red will spit fireballs at Link if he's in its direct line of sight. The green ones can be taken out with the sword, but the bow is needed to take out the red one. Players must hit it by forcing it to walk into the path of a flying arrow. At the end of this path of challenges, players will find the dungeon map and a key. A row of red bouncing pegs prevents the player from moving forward and forces them to backtrack at this point unless they have saved tackling this wing after they've acquired the dungeon item. Heading back to the entrance and through the central room, players will reach a room with forking paths. These paths sit over a lower room that players must purposely fall down to. The drop on the west side is accomplished by placing a bomb onto a cracked area of the path and then falling through a hole. Players will find the big key down this path. Players should take the eastern path to reach the big chest. They will have to make sure that a crystal switch is set with the blue blocks raised to pass through a few rooms to get there, including a room with a collapsing bridge and a maze room that must be navigated in darkness. Inside the big chest, players will find the hammer. Unlike the hammer in Zelda 2, this hammer can be used in combat. It's essential for defeating the turtle-like enemies found in this dungeon. It can also be used to knock down raised pegs, including the bouncing ones that we've seen earlier in this dungeon. The hammer is required to complete this dungeon. Players will have to manipulate a crystal switch to travel to rooms on the east side of the dungeon. In one room, there is a door that's closed and will not open unless a switch on the floor is pressed. In the past, we've been able to step on the switch just once and have the door stay open. In this case, it won't. The switch must be pressed at all times. Players will have to push a statue over it in order to keep the switch depressed. Eventually, players will find a room that seems to end in a dead end. However, the layout of the room, specifically the alignment of the eastern wall, should give you a hint that that's not truly the case. Players will see just a hint that the wall can move to the east. And in one of the more memorable moments of the game, the solution to moving forward is to shoot an arrow into the eye of the Igor statue at the dead end. Once the statue is shot, the wall moves back to reveal a staircase. The bottom of the stairs is boxed in by those bouncing pegs preventing Link from moving forward if he does not have the hammer. With the hammer, Link can progress into the second half of the dungeon, which is much more straightforward. Players will have to manipulate a crystal switch to reach a locked door. But once they're through that door, they just follow a single path through three rooms to reach a teleporter. The teleporter transports players straight to the path which leads to the boss door. The boss hears the Helmosaur King. It's a large orange creature with a blue mask. The Helmosaur King spits fireballs, which then further subdivide and fly in multiple directions. It also has a long tail it can swing at the player. The mask must be broken off before the weak spot's revealed. Players can damage the mask with the hammer or with bombs. 
Interestingly, in an interview on Glitterberry's game translations, Shigeru Miyamoto said, Originally we had it so that the hammer didn't do anything, but because we went through the trouble of putting the hammer in the temple, we went back and reprogrammed it so it could be put to use as well. Once enough damage is done, the mask falls away and players can land blows on a green crystal on the monster's head. Once the monster falls, the players awarded with a heart container and a crystal containing the captured maiden appears. She thanks Link and provides more details on Ganon and the Dark World. She explains the Dark World was changed into its current form by a wish from Ganon. She believes Ganon intends to conquer the Light World as well, but she says with the power of the Seven Maidens, Link can break through the barrier on Ganon's tower. She then reveals the location of the remaining dungeons on the world map. From here on out, players can actually tackle the dungeons in a variety of orders. However, for the purposes of this podcast, I'll be sticking to the numerical order outlined in the game. Next week, we'll head to the second Dark World dungeon, the Swamp Palace. If you haven't already and you wish to follow along, please subscribe. Please also consider sharing this podcast with another Zelda fan. I'm Paul Riley. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.